0: Larry. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm in nerd
1: over
0: drive. I will always survive. Fanboy, baby. Feel so alive watching Babylon 5. We're going to be a fanboy, baby. Ooh, listen up, fanboy. Boy. boy is It's just a fanboy, fanboy, and here's your host, Gary McCall.
2: Thank you. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And uh, I'm not alone, of course, uh, my fabulous announcer, our man Um, in Los Angeles.
0: I'm Nate Costa.
2: (laughs) And hosting, because he's actually the only one of us not in Los Angeles right now, uh, podcast producer...
1: Rick Brett Snyder.
2: There we go. Uh, We're glad to be here on... uh, What is this? This The 16th. It's technically, what, 24 hours till people have started seeing...
0: uh, the force awakens i will Uh, be seeing it in 25 and a half hours Uh, oh i hate you well there were a bunch of people saw it last night those people are lucky sobs there was a premiere
2: that was monday night
0: yes was it
1: monday night it was
2: monday night night, believe me because i'm three miles from hollywood right now and no one wanted to venture out Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it took someone uh took a friend of mine a half hour to move a block in hollywood on monday night that's a
0: normal tuesday (laughs) (laughs) afternoon
2: that's true perhaps all right so Anyway, uh, we are on. Uh, we are podcasting on December 16th, and it's a little after 7 o'clock, uh, so uh, we do want to mention, of course, uh, that if you're listening to us on iTunes, please uh, rate us, review us, subscribe to us, and of course, recommend us to your friends. You can do the same on the Stitcher app, where you can also find us, and you can find us at fanboyplanet.com, where each and every podcast has its own page, as well as links to items that we talk about on the podcast, so if you listen and you hear so- about something you'd like to get for yourself. Uh, and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, please, uh, we encourage you to use the Amazon links that we have helpfully uh, place there on the website. Uh, we get a very tiny kickback. And while you're there, if you'd also like to help pay for hosting, uh, and the podcast itself, uh, there is a PayPal donation link as well. And of course, any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, you're screaming at us because we don't know the name of something that you do. And you'd like to correct us. We'd love the correction. You can write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. So we got some comics news. we got some movie news. We've got some TV news. Uh, but we're going to talk our top story. I guess it kind of covers everything, really, um, because it, it's uh, universal.
1: The
2: the sh- <laughs> no, Universal's got its own shared universe. This is Paramount Pictures with Hasbro Entertainment, which has formed Allspark Pictures. The Allspark, of course, being that which gives life to the Transformers, uh, ha- is announced yesterday that they are creating a shared universe of their toys. But strangely enough, uh, and, and that's uh, that's movie universe, uh, we've seen tran- uh, four Transformer movies, and Nate will weigh in on this. As you recall, that they, a few months ago, had announced that they were creating. I don't know, it's not right quite to call it a writer's room, but a writer's group to create a Transformers alone shared universe, and Robert Kirkman, uh, creator of The Walking Dead, or co-creator of The Walking Dead, is one of the writers in that group. Uh, But they were also treating that as just a shared universe of Transformers films. Help me out here. Uh, Aside from Transformers, what else would that be, like,
0: G. The G. Dynab- I think.
2: A Dinobots yeah. movie? No, no, no. See, this is the all pictures. They're keeping G.I. Joe separate. Really? So G.I. Joe is going to cross over with... They, they're they not crossing over G.I. Joe with Transformers, which does make sense to me that they would, but that's not what the announcement implied. No, they're going to launch five... I believe it's five. I'm going off of, off of my head, top of my head right now. Five new uh, franchises for G.I. Joe to cross over into. Um, which are maybe it's four new ones because two of them made sense as far as they already sort of existed all, uh, in cartoon form back in the '80s around the same time as the GI Joe and Transformer cartoons were very popular. Uh, one being Mask, right? They, were you a were you a Mask fan? The not at all. Armored? No, I was not at all either. But it, and at the time, this is where it gets very convoluted. It, it was not a Hasbro property; it was a Kenner property created to compete with G.I. Joe. So it's, uh, you know, G.I. Joe fights Cobra, Mask fights Venom.
0: Viper, right? Is it Viper or Venom? Venom.
2: Venom. Yeah, I looked it up yesterday. It was, it was V-E-N-O-M as an acronym. I don't know what it stands for. Very. Um, <laughs> very evil. <laughs> now, other men. Uh, so, um, but they have, this is like, illusion is the best weapon. There's The masks that they wear create... Holograms, I believe. Vicious uh,
0: Evil Network of Mayhem.
2: Ah, I love it. I love it. Okay, and then the other one that they're throwing in there, that also had a cartoon, a very short-lived one, was Visionaries. Anybody remember the Visionaries?
0: Not at all. No.
2: So I think I have this vague memory of somebody actually giving me an action figure for the visionaries like picked up at a garage sale and thought, Oh, Derek McCaw would like this. (laughs) Um, they had very primitive holograms in their chest. So they were action figures Uh... with, uh, they would like, I'm not even sure if you backlit. I, what I had was like a ghost. And so there was like a skull inside the body. Um, So I guess if you shined a light through it, it made the hologram look cool within the figure. And in the cartoon, they projected it. was almost like a before Harry Potter, the Patronus.
0: I seem to remember these.
2: Yeah, they didn't do very well. They were, uh, you know, because we we say G.I. Joe and Transformers were like, of course, huge comics for Marvel and now both published by IDW. Uh, Visionaries was part of Marvel's kids line, the Star comics that lasted for about a year but only six issues of Visionaries lasted, and there was one season of animated uh, cartoon. So, um, but it does seem like, oh, that's a, fi- that's a, you know, it's a concept, I suppose, that maybe with technology having improved the, because the re- I assume all this is for revived cool action figures and toys uh, that maybe hologram technology would be much cooler now than it was in 1985.
1: Well, uh, you mentioned yeah. holograms, but you know there was a specific Hasbro property that dealt with holograms.
2: But we know that that already failed horribly. Well, it did, talk- it
1: did as a live action
2: film. <laughs> well, that, but this is what we're talking about, Rick. They they want to make live action films. No. They already did.
1: No, we know that that doesn't
2: work. Gem and the holograms? We no, know.
0: Transformers. That
2: doesn't and as far as I'm concerned, neither is G.I. Joe are Transformers. But wait. But would you be interested in a live action ROM film?
1: You know, I'm I'm fearful that my my love of that is based on faulty memory. <laughs> uh,
2: I <laughs> this is exactly my I looked up the figures. <laughs> I mean not just like literally the action figure yeah. but uh, rom only sold 600,000 total yeah uh uh you know which was not a lot for what they anticipated what you know in 1978 it was not again um it was not a a Hasbro property originally it was Parker Brothers, uh, and then of course I, I do know that Hasbro had bought that as they own Kenner now too. That's why you know so secretly, even though like uh, the Star Wars action figures still say have the Kenner brand, there it's really all Hasbro. And uh, so Hasbro now has Rom Space Knight. Uh, they announced last week that uh, for Free Comic Book Day, IDW was going to have a Rom comic book. Well, they were going to reintroduce him to the public
0: and, and- Micronauts, but not at Marvel, right?
2: Not a at Marvel, that IDW, and then Micronauts is the last film as well.
0: Yeah. Oh.
2: Now, but the question, I, you know, I, I mean, I think is, I, I, I don't think it's a faulty memory of we enjoyed Micronauts, we enjoyed oh, Marvels. Was, yeah, but Micronauts were much, Mi-
1: much later than Rom, and they were, they had the toys themselves were really cool cause they're all magnetically snapped together and you could
2: right, right, right now, but, but I'm not talking, you know, I, we're talking about them as a property now. Yes. Yeah. Micronauts wasn't all that much later. It was 1980 versus 1978, uh, two years later. Um, and ROM was much bigger. And I know that one, that, yeah, the micronauts were cool, but our memories of both ROM and Micronauts, what makes them cool though, the toys for Micronauts were arguably much, well, ROM could have been cool. They cheaped out, uh, but the Micronauts toys were, were were cool, but it was the Marvel comic written by Bill Mantlo, who did both. I think uh, it was both the Micronauts and, and ROM were written by Bill Mantlo, who, so of course, created Rocket Raccoon as well. Uh, very interesting, twisted mind that, and I mean that in a, the highest complimentary way, uh, that Bill Mantlo had as a comic book writer. But the thing is, yes, IDW's picked them up. But when they released the thing about Rom last week, they did mention the Dire Wraiths, which I thought had been pretty well entrenched in Marvel continuity. So maybe they do have the rights to to Dire Wraiths and everything other than Marvel characters that made Rom interesting to us.
1: It just depends on how they wrote the contract, you know. When it's weird
2: in. what well, G.I. Joe, Larry Hama named everybody. The Marvel comics followed along with the G.I. Joe f- action figure releases uh, and Hasbro collaborated with, with Marvel on naming characters. But That was a different situation. You know, so that IDW could pick up everything and actually run a continuation of Larry Hama's original continuity from Marvel as well. So I don't know if Rom has that same. I know that when Devil's Do tried... Micronauts a few years ago maybe a, I should say a few know, time has passed it might have been a decade ago yeah. that, that they did a Micronauts comic and it was trying very hard to look as much like Marvel comic without actually sharing the same names that Marvel had created so you know I, we don't, I don't know anything about the Micronauts comic yet we do know that Rom will be coming out with uh, Krista Skage will be co-writing with Chris Ryle and I do like that it's the free comic book first so you can at least get a little sample decide if what this revival is is worth it, and they'll move on. Uh, And you can start picking up the regular comic book if you like what the free comic book has to offer. But the question is, is this all worth individual movies? Does G.I. Joe have a place within all those other individual movies? Is it a reboot of G.I. Joe since the previous two uh, G.I. Joe films?
0: Uh, No, only the first one.
2: You liked the second one. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, but not even Channing Tatum liked them. so no, uh, he didn't
0: like the first one. The second one had The Rock and uh, Bruce Willis in it, so that was those were two. Points. I
2: vaguely recall that. Yeah. yeah,
0: Channing Tatum hated the first one and died two seconds into the second one. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I think but it was five we don't minutes, know that he died. So, he disappeared during a. That's battle true. Fight. He did just disappear, yeah. and I kept waiting for him to pop back up at the end, and he never yeah. did.
2: They did say he had wounds, though, didn't it? It was like he was—they thought he was fatally wounded, or
0: was no? They, there was no body. All they saw—they found his dog oh, tags after everybody went into went under. You're right then, yeah. there was no other. body.
2: If there was no body, and he's not busy being Gambit, he's back. Exactly. Sure, Duke could be up. Yeah, but uh, you know, do you do you want that old continuity? To be, although I really feel like the second movie did kind of ignore that the first oh, movie totally
0: ignored it. Had, oh, great you know
2: had kind of yeah it <laughs> did make it better so yeah i and and the the larger question is because as rick of Hart said it was universal you know universal is trying to do a shared universe of of their horror characters obviously warner brothers is developing a shared universe of their dc characters uh let's see who else is trying to develop a, a shared universe um who's left uh, you know Sony at one point had a, had a a plot to create a shared universe of Spider-Man related characters until Marvel stepped in and said no this isn't going to work um,
0: well, have they do, scrapped all that now
2: Yeah because Marvel control Marvel Studios now Kevin Feige kind of you know is everything that that Sony is doing with Spider-Man is uh in sync with what Marvel is doing and we'll talk about that just a little bit later uh but um yeah. So the question is: Do we need do we need all these toys to cross over with each other? Would you like a Gem in the Hologram uh, cameo in Visionaries? Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and when I say Micronauts, the other thing I was thinking about Micronauts today is, th- I know that the title was probably because they were they were for the time small character small figures because they were Microman in Japan and Mego. Amigo brought them over and called them the Micronauts. Um, And uh, then Marvel made them part of the Microverse and then tied it in with Psycho Man and with established Marvel continuity. But if you're doing a standalone movie about them, I don't know that anything about the Microverse portion, unless you're going to say, oh, the adventures, they could be happening in a molecule in your thumb, and it's just like the 60s all over again.
1: Well, you could you could do a storyline where they come into our universe, you know, they break through into our universe, and then the whole thing is, well, they're tiny in our universe too. They're, they don't get, they don't just come to our size, they come in at like six inches tall. That That's kind of an interesting visual, and it gives you a lot of... Uh, and then I want six-inch tall
2: talking action figures. It's yeah. true. It's true. And uh, again with the Marvel thing, I don't know how much of the personality of the characters which really is what made you know, what I'd really like to see is that like this, like when Star Wars left Marvel and went to Dark Horse that Dark Horse had the rights to reprint all of what Marvel had done and now vice versa that as much as it hurts me that Dark Horse lost all that stuff, that Marvel can reprint the Dark Horse work I would like to see that uh with with the exception of obviously references to the marvel characters that you could get that original rom reprinted somehow even if it's in a phone book you know black and white something you know so that that content would be out there for people yeah um and i would like that the micronaut saga from uh the marvel universe although it it, it tie, you know it, it did cross over with the x men and fantastic four a lot yeah so so you know that right might from be the too difficult yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe like the first, before they actually went to Earth, uh, maybe like the first storyline could at least still be, uh, you know, somewhere. Like, I think the, I mean, I know they went to Marvel Earth, but I, I'm not sure that Marvel Earth, that like the X Men crossed over until like the 11th or 12th issue. Well, it wasn't Captain Universe actually yes, from yes, Micronauts First? Yes. Yeah, which Marvel has used since. So. We shall see, but they, you know, I don't know that I need to see it as a shared universe. I'd like to just see, hey, why don't you make the movie and make it work? You know, uh, first and see, And then we could talk about maybe they can cross over. I mean, because that's how those originally those comic, you know, and I was thinking about this, we saw this in comics. Uh, You know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, when actually Dark Horse did World's Greatest Comics and DC would do those 20 years ago, do those crossovers, summer annual crossovers, which would introduce a slew of new characters that would team up, you know, and they were constantly trying to create new universes ad hoc instead of, you know, the Marvel Universe was Fantastic Four and then Spider-Man. And in an issue of Fantastic Four, when the Hulk came out, Johnny Storm was reading an issue of the Hulk. They didn't meet for a while, you know. I, you know, I mean, it's like it's slowly built organically. And even back in the '40s, you know, did until the Justice Society actually met comics. You know, the superheroes had been kind of run around for at least a few months before they joined up in a team. And yet these studios all think, well, the Marvel one worked but it's not but, the, but Marvel didn't start with the Avengers. Marvel started with Iron Man and took a gamble that if they said there's an Avenger protocol at the end or however they called it the Avengers project whatever when Nick Fury showed up, you know, that was thrilling, but it only worked because Iron Man worked. If Iron Man had tanked, that would have been like, you know, five movies that <laughs> they had to scrap because Iron Man didn't work. So, anyway, just be out there ready to know more toys coming our way. More crossovers and at least one more GI Joe film. Uh, speaking, let's uh, let's talk over to comics and huge crossovers and huge superhero crossovers. Uh, Secret Wars. We believe we have a final date, January thirteenth. <laughs> will be issue number nine, uh, ending Secret Wars. Uh, Crisis Lord. on Infinite wasn't it supposed Marvel. to end in September? I uh, yes, it was. Yes,
1: there still regular issues. Anymore. There are still regular issues of the series coming out. This week we got uh, Ultimate End issue number five, which it looks like that's tying right into the end few issues of the main Secret Wars issue,
2: mm-hmm, which I, I believe I didn't get it. I didn't buy it, rather, um, but I believe explains how uh, Miles, what Miles's new continuity. Yeah, because it's an interesting be. cover
1: because you got all the all the Ultimate superheroes the Ultimates and Ultimate Iron Man and Cap and Hulk and stuff and they're all walking into the light but Miles is standing there behind everybody and he's kind of looking back over his shoulder at like at the reader so huh. it's kind of like don't go into the light Miles
2: Well, so, yeah, and uh, I believe as Tom Brevoort has promised, no, we don't, you know, just because we already launched books that take place eight months after Secret Wars, you don't know how it ends. Uh, Well, I sort of do. I mean, all these characters live at least, uh, and some people remember that there was uh, a Secret War, and some people don't. Uh, and we'll, case in we'll, point.
1: We'll get to that.
2: <laughs> we'll get to absolutely, that. absolutely, because a lot of the books, number ones that came out uh, this week kind of you know, I, I, tie in. One that. of my And last week as well.
1: Touching on that right away.
2: Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, so... Uh, we also, I guess, report week that, you know, we've got, everybody's excited for the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow to come out January 21st. And uh, they announced that March 8th, uh, DC, no, DC Entertainment, because they're not DC Comics anymore, they're DC Entertainment, will be releasing a Legends of Tomorrow anthology. But it's not characters other than Firestorm that are on Legends of Tomorrow, the TV show. So I think it's a, you know it, it's more like the dark horse presents if it was all loaded up with superheroes. So it's.
1: Um, so why use the same name?
2: It's for.
1: And you see, I'm, I'm trying stupid. to figure that
2: out. No, no, no. I mean, I think the thing is, showcase is. Uh, I mean, I think having an anthology is a good idea. It's seven yeah, ninety yeah. nine for for four features that were announced this last summer as miniseries that were coming out. Um, so it's going to be uh, Metal Men, Firestorm, Metamorpho, and Sugar and Spike. So these were already slotted as six-issue miniseries. So if at seven you're really getting the equivalent of four full-size issues uh, of, of a regular, new, uh, well, I should say newsstand book, but of a regular-sized DC comic book, um, then I think you know that's it's a decent deal. But I was thinking about this. Showcase is taken up by their black-and-white reprint. You know, they're, they're huge, thick paperbacks, the the phone books, if you will. Um, if they called it DC Presents, it's too much like Dark Horse Presents. Uh, although it didn't stop them from relaunching a, a Brave and the Bold title, which was completely separate from, at the time... Uh, what Brave and the Bold had been, and what uh, was on on the the Cartoon Network. Um, so I think it's, I, but I think it is trying to cross over, and again by by actually using Firestorm as the anchor series, you're bringing people in. But I think it's a big betrayal because it's weirder. They're more out there concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Metal Men is an interesting reboot, which is uh, that they're fighting against. Which I guess Nameless had turned evil at one point in the original continuity, but that's the big bad villain of this new Metal, Man, Metal Men relaunch. Um, Metamorpho is just another uh, another take on the explanation. Now I, I'm holding out hope after watching the CW shows that Metamorpho might appear there because of how deeply they went into the Egyptian mythology of Hawkman and Hawk Girl and Jeff Johns had tied Metamorpho into that with the Orb of Ra, which was kind of an obvious connection to make, you know, about a decade ago in, in JSA, I think um, so you know, I could see that maybe Metamorpho might be a character that the CW's holding in, in their back pocket uh, but Sugar and Spike is, you know, these this funny I don't even, you can't even call it a funny animal comic book it was a humor comic from the 60s, it's of two, two little, little kids, kids. That, yeah yeah, but now they're grown up and they're detectives. And Keith Giffen's writing, so I'm sure it'll be fun. Hmm. But it's going to be weird. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't think it's the brilliant crossover tie-in that Marvel can often does of, of positioning at least one book out there for whatever mm. they've got out there. I mean, because you've got, you know, they've got a Flash Year Zero, a digital comic, and they've got an Arrow Comic as well. This digital. They announced it uh, in January. They're going to start a Supergirl comic that ties into the CW series as well. Uh, but that'll be digital first as well. And, you know, and, and that has worked out very well for them because the the people that are watching the TV shows uh, and, and getting enthused about those uh, tend to go digital first. So they've got a strategy there that works. I just don't understand why they would take the Legends of Tomorrow title rather than run a, a you know, even an anthology about the TV versions of those characters filling in background or whatever, you know. Instead, no, this is even the Firestorm is uh, stuck with the New 52 version. It's Ronnie and Jason Rush, and, uh, you know, the TV version on, on Legends of Tomorrow is Martin Stein and Jax, Jax, Jackson, uh, you know, the football players. So, which yeah. I wondered why they, they, they'd introduced Jason Rush on The Flash last year and then discarded him. So why they went for an all-new secret identity, I I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's coming March 8th. We shall see. Uh, It was announced today that Michael B. Jordan, who had most recently um, in superhero world, uh, played Johnny Storm in the movie that we shall not name, uh, but is uh, gangbusters right now in cinemas with uh, Creed, he is working with writer Nathan Edmondson for a series for Dark Horse Comics called North, which, uh, and Dennis Cohen and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz are doing the artwork, and he's g- it's a character who is sort of a soldier turned spy who discovers that when he's kind of like disavowed by the U.S. government, he's more dangerous than they intended him to be, so there's probably some superpowers in there, and yes, geez, what a surprise. Then uh, they did include the information that, yes, he's developing it for the idea that it's a character that he could play in a film. So uh, it's been a while since we've seen a celebrity become a comic writer again. So uh, Has it? How long has it been, Nate?
0: <laughs> CM Punk is writing Drax.
2: Yeah, but it's not for the purpose of playing Drax. I think CM Punk's writing it because he's really interested in comics. That's and it, and, and it's not like when we say CM Punk, a bunch of people know who he is. That's, you know, wrestling fans know. A bunch
0: it. of people listening to this podcast. Probably, That's probably
2: uh, true. That's probably true. But I think of the mainstream as well. Michael B. Jordan's in the mainstream right now.
0: Did you guys you know? see Creed yet? I have not. Nope. I haven't either, but I've heard it's awesome.
2: I've heard that too. It's definitely on my list. We shall see. Uh, but I do sort of, I feel like, you know, I have to see a little thing called... Uh, something about a you know waking up the force uh, and and this just in like a uh, half hour before we went to went to start recording uh, that uh, automatic publishing now Rick what am, am I is that is that had is it automatic publishing it, is automatic publishing his no think so that's not Frank Beddars. no what is his uh, publisher publishing company uh.
1: I'd have to leave the room to find the books, but... No, uh.
2: okay, don't do buy. I'm sorry. I, I just... I got excited because I thought maybe there's a connection. I thought, no, no, I don't think that's Frank Better's publishing company. But anyway, uh, these, this publisher known as Automatic Publishing has announced for Free Comic Book Day and then following with a four-issue miniseries uh, Comic of Spectrum, uh, oh, may- which is the show within a show of Con Man, the Alan Tudyk uh and Nathan Fillion web series. So automatic pictures. They don't see there. I think maybe I, I that looked, was. I
1: looked up uh, automatic publishing, and I got a hit on Frank Pedor. So
2: okay, that is. Then it's Frank's. Then we should get. Uh, we should talk to Frank about this because it was just announced. Because uh, my friend Shannon Eric Denton is uh, editing this book. It's written by PJ Harsma and Alan Tudick with art by Sarah Stone and it will tell the story of basically the plot of the television series that's the series within the series of Con Man. So uh, four issues, and first, uh, you it'll know, be a first taste free on a free comic book day. So you know, this is the season where they're starting to really uh, unveil and get people excited about what they can pick up in May. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think that's really cool then if that's automatic pictures that's that's even cooler that we that it's a lot of people we know involved so that's that's really great so let's turn i have uh, a comics
0: question before we try this is a quick one yes uh when the new marvel titles were announced did they not announce that the one called spidey would be the miles morales book
2: no they did not no it's just called spider-man Spidey
0: is Spidey uh, is Peter Parker as a kid. I just found that yes. out. Yeah, yeah it's,
2: it's kind of... Weird. And the implication, though I don't think the book itself was, uh, you know, was sort of, it was, they used the font from the Spidey, Spidey Super Stories from the 70s, the Electric Company tie-in.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it would be written a little more simply. Uh, but I didn't pick it up, so I don't know if that if that panned out, or if that was just an assumption of everybody because they used that font. But, okay. uh, no, no, the Miles Morales was announced as just Spider-Man that everybody freaked out that after Secret Wars, uh, you know, Peter Parker would be dead. And then a month later they said, an amazing Spider-Man where Peter Parker is, uh, super successful and is trying to be Tony Stark, you know? Right, so,
0: right.
2: yeah. So, uh, no, but, uh, okay. let's, t- let's take a look at that section where we, uh, we talk about the books that actually have Talk about what's in the bag, what's
0: in the bag?
2: Excellent. Nate, I'm wondering if you had a chance to get to the store. Let's just say... No.
0: <laughs> ...that I was... The reason I saw the Spidey title... Oh, you were at a I, store. No. Because I'm looking <laughs> in uh, on the interwebs to see what came out today, what would have been in my bag, and I'm noticing uh-huh. that I have not been to a comic shop since September 30th. 2015. So, no. Wow. No, I didn't go <laughs> to the store today.
2: Wow. Uh, uh, I think we need to get you a subscription, like a, a Christmas gift. Uh, was I there anything of the kachurai that you would have picked up today? Yes.
0: The first item I would have picked up today, shockingly enough, is Invincible 126, written by Robert Kirkman. I have no idea where they're at, but I always get that book. Okay. (laughs) All
2: right. And we know it's a good, solid book. Rick, what would be on yours?
0: Well, on my list is
1: we were just talking about The Amazing Spider-Man, but there's uh, they've just relaunched, right? And I think they're in the third or fourth issue. But there's a 1.1 out already, Amazing Grace Part 1 of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh. Guest yeah, starring. Okay. Did you see this? Did you get to the store, Derek? Did...
2: I, I went to Earth 2 today. Okay. And so when I go to Earth 2, I try I pick up things that I know are not being held for me. So it's at elusive comics. It's so. guest
1: starring the Santarians.
2: As in the Santarians. Oh, Santa's.
1: S-A-N-T-E-R-I-A-N-S. Santarians. Now I had to look these guys up. It is. They've been around for a while. It's a. It's a super group, but they are. They are. Have never really been explained where they come from. They are. Um, they are definitely tied into uh, more of a, uh, a a sacred kind of um, the feeling of respect for religious aspects as a group. Um, they remind me a lot the, just looking at them. They lo- remind me a lot of the uh, of the Forever people, but uh, kind are of are they
2: meant to be? Is it meant to be Santorians like the Santorian faith?
1: Yes, yes. San- okay,
2: Santorians. Ter- Santorians. Ter- 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 okay, long e. Um, yeah, our Blink One Eighty Two fans will, you know, right? right? Isn't that the one that did? Uh, I don't practice Santoria.
0: There you so. go. <laughs>
1: um. But so this is uh, it's a wonderfully drawn. It's written by um, Jose Molina and with oh, okay. Simon Bianchi, B I A N. Simon Bianchi, Bianchi, Bianchi. Um, yeah, and they are this. Uh, the, her take on uh, on Spider Man is really cool. And in general, the artwork in this is splendid. So I'm looking forward to more issues of this. I've read this one already. So okay, I'm not going to spoil much. But uh, this goes back to, like, a—I think they've appeared in four stories prior to this, going back to a Daredevil series back in the day. So,
2: Yeah, okay. Cool. Well, I'm going to go very obscure with my first one. Uh, there's a new issue of... Pinocchio Vampire Slayer out today from Top Shelf Graphics of Top Shelf Productions rather uh, versus the Vampire Zoo yeah Pinocchio used to be uh, Pinocchio Vampire Slayer used to be uh, an SLG book uh, but uh, the complete edition of what had been done before uh, was uh, was collected by uh, Top Shelf and now uh, this is you don't often see individual Top Shelf issues Usually, they're trade paperbacks, they're collections, of graphic novels, uh, and this is uh, this is probably the most assured looking of them all. I have not had a chance to read it, but it's the best artwork out of all of them. And um, you know, I remember years ago when Dan Votto first told me about Pinocchio Vampire Slayer, uh, it it works so much better than you'd think it would. So I just want to put it out there as a very fun, uh, fun book involving uh, wooden puppets telling lies in order to create stakes to destroy vampires. So uh, it it practically writes itself, but luckily someone else did. So,
0: Nate? Big Trouble in Little China 19. Alrighty. I like that cover. It looks like the old covers. I love Big Trouble in Little China. And Jack Burton is in Hateful Eight, guys.
2: Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And, and we'll be talking about him in just a little bit as well for something else. So um, anyway, Rick, what would be next on your stack?
1: Next is a book, you know, I, I, I've i been dropping a lot of DC books because yeah. I haven't liked their reboot on a lot of the characters. So Right. There is a, there is a DC book that has just kind of crept into my heart. And I was just realizing that this is actually is one of the first books I read when I get it in a stack of new books. and that is Secret Six with Gail Simone. Yeah. And I, I like the main set of characters in this. I like what they've done with the small reinventions of those characters. Um, right now they're in a, um, they're in a storyline where they're all in the House of Strangers. And so oh, there, are, there are just a ton of guest stars. So you've got Dead Man. You've got um, The Phantom Stranger in a manner that I don't hate. Um,
2: uh, that's impressive for the new 52. Yeah.
1: Swamp Thing. Um, Aquaman.
2: I've got to catch up.
1: Uh, the Demon.
2: I I no I'm I'm there. In fact, I I like the concept that uh, maybe they all hang out at a place called the House of Strangers.
1: Yeah, well, they, like they had to go to the House of Strangers because of something that happened in the storyline. But it's,
2: it's yeah, but right. I think that's where Justice League Dark established them all.
1: Oh, is that right? Uh, okay,
2: that makes that makes sense. And you know, which actually Justice League Dark just, just you know like almost all the new Fifty Two characterizations sort of had to go. Well, they're not the characters I grew up reading. But they have the same name, and that's what happened to people that liked Jay Garrick back in nineteen forty-seven. You know, and then picked up Barry Allen nine years later, I guess. And I try to take a deep breath and let that go and enjoy it for what it is. But except for the Phantom Stranger, I'm with you. You know, they they ruined him. Um, no, anyway, the,
1: they they all hang out in uh, Scandal Savage's apartment uh, or house or yes. apartment now. They were yes. in, in uh, I've forgotten the guy's name, uh, Big whatever his name. But the guy is really Ralph Dibney. Um, yeah, until they blew up his house. But I mean, this is this is what make, good storytelling t- is made of because these are all broken characters. They all have well,
2: and and m- let's just and let's just say attribute to in all the in, in all this time, somehow Gail Simone keeps getting underrated. Oh yeah, and she's one of the best writers working in comics. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt, and I and I you know shout out to her because apparently uh, she's enjoying the Magic Kingdom in Orlando right now. I'm following her Twitter feed, and uh, <laughs> so she tweeted out that she was going, and apparently a lot of employee, a lot of cast members, as they say, uh, you know, gave her tips and set her up for for fast pass uh, situations and so forth. So you know she's having the time of her life. So you know the fans got to get back, and that's very exciting. Um, I was thinking, has she ever written Marvel? Yeah, she did. Years ago, when she first started out, I don't think she's written Marvel for a while, but uh, but she is one who definitely, you know, she's carved a couple of really good corners of the DC universe and it's fun. So I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I hope this isn't one of yours, Rick, okay. uh, just because I don't want to steal from it. Uh, is Squadron Supreme. That was my next one.
1: one, but I've got a backup.
2: Don- okay, okay, good. Uh, Have so you I read did it? get a chance to read. I did. Okay. And this is this is a perfect example of exactly uh, uh as I suspected, you know, this is this is really a direct consequence although it's eight months later of secret wars. Uh and the the different alternate universe versions of the Squadron Supreme uh Lone Survivors Come Forth, which is why you're going to have a Nighthawk who's going to get – I know he's going to get a solo book because David Walker, who currently writes uh, Cyborg, is going to be writing Nighthawk. Uh, but it's the night, Nighthawk of J. Michael Straczynski's Supreme Power. Who uh, did have
1: a, a separate I'm, series that was awesome.
2: Yeah, and they're going to do a, do one again. But everybody else is. so. And I really like that they actually showed, like, when they explain which ones they are, they, they take a panel uh, from the right. original – run so you even have a blur who's the flash analog who's actually from the new universe not from any previous squadron supreme uh so there's a little image from the 80s new universe and did you have an image from uh the squadron supreme uh, mark grunwald uh 12 issue max series from the uh i guess yeah now it's late late 80s it was kind of a watchman answer um, so it is a cool book, and, and it's definitely um, James Robinson is continuing. If you were a fan of what I think was a book that, that ended way too soon, was James Robinson's Invaders. It's very clear that he's picking up plot lines from Invaders, and, and that that's going to play out in um, in Squadron Supreme. But it's also you know a chance to he's kind of he kind of world build with people's flashbacks and so forth, and play in a lot of different sandboxes with this one. So. I'm not sure that uh, you know. At once the whatever major confrontation this first arc is building towards is going to sustain itself into an ongoing series, and I, I, I don't, I just get the feeling that Marvel's doing a lot of miniseries, but not telling us that they're miniseries.
1: I think that's you know, I think that's the right way to go with this because I think it, this book would last for a while and then outstay its welcome. I,
2: I, yeah, and that's and that's what I mean is what I think it should be a miniseries. But I think they're not telling us they are. Whereas DC announced a bunch of things that were miniseries, and Marvel's not saying that. So, but I I get the feeling reading this is this going to be really great, six to eight issues, and then once this storyline is out, I'm not sure where it can go from there, because you've already started with the, with the world in absolute terror of these people. But then again, I didn't think Thunderbolts was going to last as long as that did either after yeah, a really true. great start. So, you know, there can be ways to re- redefine it. But uh, I do recommend this book. I really enjoyed it. It's a little ultraviolet. Again, not sure I'm going to let my son read it. But uh, but I really enjoyed it. And it's definitely, uh, uh, for those who love James Robinson's work, it's like the best of James Robinson's work. I know, not some of the more offensive stuff. So this is this uh, is a
1: this is a group that has been rebooted six or eight times.
2: A, well and you know, and the thing is they started off they are a parody group. They were uh, started yeah. off as a parody group, definitely. Right. You know, I mean that and and that's what it, and it's funny because I don't think DC's parody of the Avengers had the staying power.
0: <laughs> right. you know,
2: so right. I mean it's kind of interesting to, but I don't mean, think the thing is that, you know, when when Marvel parodied the Justice League, and that's who the Squadron Supreme are, or the Squadron Sinister the as they were originally, right? You know, but but when DC parodies Mar- the Avengers, the Avengers lineup is always changing. Yeah, so there wasn't anything that could really hold on. So let's move on uh, to Nate. Go ahead, your third
0: Justice League forty six, which is the oh, Dark yes. Side War part six, the end of the Dark Side War. Have you been
1: buying all those issues?
2: I have. I'm. I'm completely caught up on it. Really? Okay. And a few, a few weeks ago, I ran. Uh, you know, I, I I reviewed what I didn't like with the superhero one shots. Yeah. Uh, and then last week there was a, a Lex Luther one shot tying into it that actually is crucial. Oh. I think okay. to the Dark Side War. Um, I know, surprise, because a couple of those those superhero ones were, like, you know, they were bad, um, and they were not inconsequential. But I do think the Lex Luthor one was actually uh, crucial, and I just, I just actually got around to reading it yesterday and went, oh, yeah, this was actually really good. Because he's already a villain, and even though I know he's been somewhat rehabilitated in Justice League, somewhat, not a lot, you know uh, this is definitely a return to form where you see that his arrogance and his, the fatal flaws the tragic flaw of Lex Luthor if you will um, means this can't end well you know, and his arrogance, but it's also a good, you know, I mean it's probably the third or fourth time that Jeff Johns has tried to approach and Francis Manipool I think actually wrote the crossover, but I know Jeff Johns is you know, giving notes on everything that, uh, you know, this is the third or fourth time he's rewritten uh, Lex Luthor's background but uh, this, for this incarnation for this uh, new 52 version it makes perfect sense without contradicting anything that happened before.
1: Okay I I, I didn't buy any of the standalone single issue stuff because I'd flip through them on the shelf and i just this is crap yeah. and just said no. I
2: think only the Lex Luthor one is, yeah, uh, is about, a must have. About. The others um, the Green Lantern one was interesting but you know that's it. I mean, you can you can read my article, and that will catch you up for anything that's pertinent. And it, but okay. it's it's really not. Just know that everybody went off, and they were, and the Justice League were a bunch of a holes with their new god powers. And then we're going to come back for forty six, okay. and which that main narrative is going to be a great story. Yeah. You know, so I'm with you, Nate. All right, and Rick, what was your backup for number three?
1: My backup is, uh, ironically enough, on this uh, this all holiest of weeks. Um, there will be a $5 <laughs> Star Wars book on the shelf for people to pick up, the Darth Vader Annual. And I, you know, I've said this before, I say this quite often, I thought Darth Vader was going to be a very hard character to write in the midst of the trilogy, you know, between yeah. episodes of the trilogy. And without, you know disavowing or or, or screwing up anything of of consequence and i've been proven so wrong and the character and the situations and the supporting characters have just all been awesome so this was this was a no-brainer buy for me and i'm sure that a lot of people are going to get introduced to the the new marvel universe of star wars uh this week when they leave the uh they leave the theater going. I got to get me some more of that.
2: Oh no! I I, I uh, pushed it Saturday night at a party. Somebody was talking about their plans to see uh, Force Awakens and and they, how that. Of course, everybody's rewatching the original films. And I said, you know, probably the best thing, I, you know, just for fun, so it kind of fills in a gap, is pick up the Shattered Empire trade paperback or the individual issues. I don't know if the trade I, the trade should probably was it available this week. Um, uh, if it's I, not, it, it will be soon. I didn't see
1: it. I didn't see it. That was something so, I, it was just an aside, but we're still in comics, right? Yeah. Uh, the, um, the new, uh, Dark Knight, uh, Master Race, Mhm. the first issue came out the next week. The first issue came out in hardback.
2: Yeah, that was weird. Yes. Huh.
1: So yes. it's, it's like. And it's you know double the price, but it's in hardback, and I'm like, this is this is a new step in marketing that the the next week you can buy it in hardback. Uh,
2: there are some weird things going on. That's in comics. I mean, you know, I, I you're right. It's a weird step in marketing, and um, and they're really pushing the, the master uh, that master race, which oddly enough, I think is probably as a standalone story the most accessible right now. To people that uh, you know, as far as because of all the new Fifty Two Madness, at least you're going back to a storyline where if you read the first two, you understand. You know, you know it's familiar, Uh, but it's also it actually the first issue I thought worked really well, even if you didn't know. You just knew it's an alternate universe Batman story, and it was it was much more coherent right out out of the gate than Dark Knight Strikes Again. So I was happy
1: that they didn't. You could just read the you could read it by itself it would help if you had read the first one i don't think the second one really adds too much
2: no except that except for the maybe the little bit of what had gone on with superman and the adam and wonder woman maybe but uh-huh. you pick up easily yeah. you know as long as long as i don't see a hal jordan who is a green uh goo thing as he was in strikes again i'll be happy uh my my third choice today is super zero from Aftershock Comics actually from Amanda connor and Jimmy Palmiotti who do uh Starfire and Harley Quinn uh for DC Comics and they've got a creator owned book from uh this new imprint Aftershock uh which I picked up uh I think the what was we call Replica was the book I recommended a, f- a few weeks ago uh and so this is the first issue out here of Super Zero and if you like those DC books I mentioned um, this is uh, and, and you like Amanda uh, Amanda Connor's work, uh, although actually Rafael de la Torre is doing the interior art. It's beautiful art. It's a it looks like a fun book. I'll admit at this moment I have not read it yet, but I really like Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor's work, uh, and you know they do some kind of quirky offbeat things, and and we know you know when they get a chance to do their own characters that are not working in somebody else's sandbox, they do some some really interesting stuff. Oh, so, yeah. I'm looking forward to reading this, and I think this Aftershock uh, imprint uh, may be one to watch. We shall just see. So, let's move a little bit uh, into movies, which is a lot of comic book related stuff. Um, and that is that, because uh, we had, uh, last Friday was the X-Men Apocalypse trailer uh, came out, where they color-corrected Apocalypse. Uh, so I'm very happy for that because this summer they had released him looking very purple, but he looked very blue in that trailer. Yeah, they can do amazing things with color correction. He right?
1: looked a lot less CG.
2: Yeah, which I don't think he needed to be CG. No, I think it's it's more frightening and let an actor just be imposing. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. I I don't know. I looked at that, watched that trailer, and thought very powerful, very effective. Uh, who knows what the actual plot is? I'm very concerned, because I'm always conscious of this, like, how's that going to play in the South, when they basically said that Apocalypse was Jesus Christ, in the trailer? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That the basis for all religion is this blue mutant. (laughs) It's like, oh my heavens. But, you know... uh,
0: Papa said I shouldn't
1: see this movie.
2: It's interesting that a superhero movie is going to go ahead and make... can You You might know better than I, as we transition to the next <laughs> trailer that came out that caused a lot of consternation, is, remember the, the original series Star Trek episode where it was the, there was the guy, there were several ones where there were immortals, but there was this immortal who, uh, actually in the Star Trek um, Legion of Superheroes crossover that IDW and DC did, they picked up the same character. He had been like a... a you know, someone stabbed him on a battlefield in prehistoric times and he didn't die. And, like, they found, like, a, a Da Vinci painting in his studio and said, yeah, that was oh, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think at one point he might have, they might have even said in the 60s that he was Jesus. Do you remember that?
1: I don't remember that.
2: I know they'd done the typical Star Trek litany of a bunch of... Familiar character, you know, f- characters. I shouldn't say that. Familiar figures from history, and then they threw in like you know some 21st century person that people knew, which was not the, you know because it was 1966, so it was you know that joke. Jay Leno used to have is that you'd you'd know Confucius, you'd, you'd they'd always list two or three people you knew, and then they'd make up some sci fi thing, yeah, and everybody on the yeah. internet would go, oh yeah, yeah. So I you know I I always like but going, that, that. I was like going back but, to. Uh,
1: Philip Jose Farmer's Riverworld, where you know you ran into a bunch of people who were Jesus, you know that that had been reincarnated on the Riverworld, and that you know maybe maybe there was a culmination of a number of people that were that became that uh, that image that character down the road.
2: Uh, all I know is you can you can get away with that in a novel series because yeah. not as many people are going to pay attention to that. I'm interested that it had you know I. It's just it a, is just a, fascinating that they were that bold yeah. in, in that trailer. So we shall see, uh, and we should go. Speaking of bold uh, and Star Trek, uh, the Star Trek Beyond trailer, uh, Fast and Furious, was released. <laughs> well, it's directed by the guy who directed the Fast and Furious. I it's just boomed
1: uh, all seven movies.
2: It, was he all seven?
1: No, he wasn't. But I, no. they all have the same kind of frenetic. Uh, uh, they are science well, fiction films. They, it's, 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 they, they use the no, exact it, same techniques to do the special effects in those. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: it's true. It's true. And Simon Pegg gave an interview months ago where he, you know, he's been working on the screenplay and said that Paramount. He implied that Paramount had come back to him and said they wanted something like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And I guess that's what they've got. Uh, I didn't hate it as much as other people did. Uh, And even you know the playing of sabotage was like, oh yeah, Jim Kirk listened to that in you know in the car in the first movie when he was a kid. So uh, you know I understand there's a tie into that. And but the Beastie Boys, the
1: Beastie Boys also did Intergalactic, which has a pinch in the neck from Mister Spock as a line in it. So now we oh see you get into those meta realities.
2: Yeah, so. I those those make me nervous. I think it's Uh,
1: foreshadowing uh, a time travel episode. Where Spock will go back and meet the Beastie Boys.
2: Okay, I well Rick's fanfic in his head has just been. Uh, yep. <laughs> you're going to write that. Uh, I'm. J- I the implication of that trailer is that the, the Enterprise gets blown up again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm really bothered that they keep going to that well in the movies. Like, how many times in the original series was the Enterprise destroyed? Uh, three. In the original television in the, in series.
1: The original te- in the television series. Uh, it was never destroyed in the television series.
2: That's my point. It's like you got through no. three years, uh, at least one season of animation, uh, and then the movies just keep destroying the Enterprise.
1: But they blew it up twice in the movie series, at least twice.
2: The original Enterprise, and then they blew the original it. up Prize, in-
1: Enterprise, and the and the uh, and the uh, Enterprise E got blown up as well.
2: Right, right. So, yeah, or it yeah, crashed. The original crew blew it up, and they crashed it in uh, generations. And I think they cra- they blew it up again in uh, the last, Was the last one? next generation movie that happened, the Nemesis. So I think they did. No, no they I blew just, up Data. Yeah, no, they blew da-
1: up Data. Data got Data got uh, yeah. Data got so, blown up on the other ship.
2: Yeah. So let's look at happier times. Uh, Marvel has been tweeting out Doctor Strange pictures, or I should say pictures from the set of Doctor Strange. We still have not seen Benedict Cumberbatch officially in this makeup, though there have been people like with telephoto lenses trying to get a glimpse and seeing facial hair. Uh, but interestingly, today uh, they released a picture uh, officially that uh, featured the new kid playing Spider-Man visiting them on the set. Uh, which is kind of in Asia, and it's just stopping by. I'm like, I don't think that's likely that they would just bring that kid over to just say hi. So the big rumor is: Is Spider-Man going to appear in Doctor Strange as well? That'd be fine. That'd be fine. Create the Ditko yeah. verse. Yeah. So uh, that'd be fun. The big rumor that will tie that will uh, get Nate's attention. Uh, is that Jack Burton is rumored to be uh, at least of interest to play Star Lord's father in Guardians of the Galaxy
0: Volume 2. It's all in the reflexes, Derek. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, so of course people were saying then, you know, who is he going to be? So apparently, you know, there had been a room, uh, I can't remember which website claimed that they knew uh, which character was going to be Star Lord's father and. And then James Gunn had said, well, that, that rumor's been taken down, but believe me, it was totally wrong. And I read an article yesterday that said, oh, yes, it, the, the rumor had been that Marvel would be uh, his father. But uh, I think more likely, uh, if you were to put Kurt Russell doing uh, having a personality that would be similar to Chris Pratt's as Star-Lord, uh, a Marvel character that would fit, that could be his father, and then really make Guardians of the Galaxy a personal family saga... Would be Eros, aka Star Fox.
1: Interesting. So you'd introduce that by way of introducing Thanos, Thanos as well.
2: Well, Thanos has been there. We know that. Well, it's so the
1: titan, You, know, you got the, but you don't have any Titan background for Thanos yet.
2: Right. You know, but but nobody has a genetic sample. You know, that's right. the thing. Is the End of Guardians of the Galaxy? They said whatever is whatever his alien heritage is, it's a it's a, a genetic genetics they've not a DNA they haven't seen. Right. So I was thinking, well, it does make sense that no one would know what Thanos' DNA would look like. The problem with using Marvell would have been, well, they had the Cree. They would know what that looked like. So uh I I think it would be a really interesting choice. Now, you know, but Kurt Russell has not said yes. Uh Kurt Russell's having a good year, uh acting wise. And um so it's not officially from Marvel. This was just, uh, a, you know, a website saying, but it was a credible enough rumor that it's a little more than rumor. At least there's interest. So I'd like to see it. I think it'd be fun. I just think you know Kurt Russell should get a taste of that too. Um, and then we turn to Star Wars.
0: Star <laughs> Wars, turning to Star Wars
2: i don't know what else to say about it uh you know by the time you this podcast is up it will have been open people will have i have uh opinions i'm sure and be able to tell us um so i just know security was very tight although i do think lucasfilm was very cool i was down here nearby i mean even this when was it saturday no friday night i was uh, i had to drive by hollywood uh, and, uh, you know, they already had the streets closed off for the world premiere on Monday night. And so, apparently, if you lived in Hollywood, it was quite a pain in the butt, but uh, they did, uh, they simultaneously showed it at the Man, or at the El Capitan, which is owned by Disney, the uh, Kodak Theater, where they uh, host the Oscars every year, and the uh, Chinese Theater. So, three huge auditoriums uh premiered it simultaneously and they had a huge insane party and there were of course already people camped out to get into the first official showing uh tomorrow night at like seven o'clock and lucasfilm invited them all to come and see it on monday night so if you're camped outside right now you're getting in to see the movie tonight
0: yeah. fantastic
2: gesture and then they invited them to the after party
1: and that's kind of, it was kind of a, a bunch uh, of
0: unwashed nerds who had been camping on the sidewalk for absolutely, a week. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. You
1: got to pay, you got to play to your audience. It was it, the people who were in line at that point to, to be in line, you had to have put in 24 hours of staying there, but you didn't yep. have to be there all the time. So if it wasn't your shift in line and you were off, uh, having lunch or something, that, that would have sucked. But still really, really cool of them to do that.
2: That's a grand gesture. I mean, well, well, you know, it would have sucked, but on the other hand, you were already planning on waiting till Thursday anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, you know, that was just a nice little bonus. So I know, that was really cool. And that, that, you know,
0: that is super cool. And then I don't know, I think I saw news about it on Facebook. It was trending. But uh, Quentin Tarantino was on Howard Stern today talking about hateful eight eight. And he shot Hateful Eight in 70mm, and he wanted it to open in certain places. Yeah. And Cinerama Dome is one of the places he was going to have it showing on Christmas Day. And, and he According can't. to him, he had this deal all set up already. According to him, Disney went to Cinerama Dome, which is owned by Arclight, and said, you are not going to show Hateful Eight. You're going to keep Star Wars through the holidays. And so they're basically... Not kicking it. Well, they are kicking him out because he already had a deal in place to show it, and they Disney is making ArcLight not honor that deal.
2: No, let me say what it is. They're actually putting it in one of the smaller theaters. What he wanted to be was in the Cinerama Dome, right? But but uh, because it's
0: shot on seventy millimeter,
2: right? But they have other houses. They have other screens in that complex that are capable of showing 70 mm. They're just not as big a house. It's well, not the dome. It's not the, the it's not the theater history he wanted it
0: to be. The threat that they made was if you show hateful eight in that dome where it's supposed to be shown, then we're not going to you're not going to show Star Wars anywhere. Yeah.
1: You know I, I think there are probably a lot more people who are going to want to pile into the uh, theater to see Star Wars than rather than Hateful Eight. And I want to see uh, I want to see Hateful Eight, but
2: I can't disagree with Disney's request uh, because I I already know there are people that already they've made their holiday plans, they've got their Christmas Day tickets to see Star Wars. You know, so I. and, and I know down here, that's, you know, people want to see. I mean, there's just, there've been articles all week about how even Star Wars is kind of, with the Hateful Eight, is bringing in a resurgence of 70 millimeter because J.J. J. Abrams did that. So there are places where you can see the force awakens in 70 millimeter i'm kind of torn because i you know i've heard that also there are a couple of sequences that he did shoot specifically for imax that get adjusted down obviously for 70 millimeter but that you know so no matter what format you see it in you may see a not just a size difference but you know a slightly different experience so um i don't know which one's the best so we shall see um and like I say, by the time you're here in this podcast, you may already have your opinion in place because you may have already seen it, and we'll all be excited. And I think we should say at this point, uh, unless something catastrophic happens, we get to a, we get to say that next Wednesday, December 23rd, the week, uh, the week after uh, Christmas, uh, after Star Wars, rather before Christmas, but after Star Wars has opened, uh, we will be podcasting live from the Seven Stars Bar and Grill in San Jose, California. So we will be uh, steeped in Star Wars memorabilia while talking about <laughs> how everybody felt about Star Wars, so uh, what day is this? Wednesday, the twenty third at seven PM. Damn it. The... Are you not coming up till after Christmas?
0: Yeah, that's correct. I'm sorry. I will be I'm there sorry. the
1: next week. Well, you'll be there <sighs> for the next podcast then. Maybe we'll do it at Seven
0: Stars still. <laughs> I won't hold my breath.
2: Okay, it's it's, it's possible, it's possible. But uh, Paul Cunha was very excited uh, about the idea of having us to come in for that too. So uh, we're very excited to be there. So let's talk a little bit of television. I want to kind of wrap up and talk TV, um, which is mainly like. Tell us, Rick, how great is the Sci Fi Channel right now?
1: Oh man, you know the Sci Fi Channel.
2: <laughs> Did you hear a little sob in the back of your throat with that? Like. It's so
1: good. <laughs> it's it's gone from science fiction punchline to science fiction powerhouse, and nobody saw it coming. I mean, the the first hint we got of it was at Comic Con when we saw the, when I saw the the Expanse preview. Um, but you know that's only one thing. I,
2: but let me look back you up though, because Twelve Monkeys had been on earlier, and we were all pretty impressed with Twelve Monkeys.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't finish the season. Of okay. Monkeys. I, I want to go back. You know, I, I had it was a very busy, busy time. Yeah, they've made it to a second season. Uh, that's coming back as another, another for another season of shows. I did kind of like the way it was going, but I just couldn't. I eventually said, "I'm never going to catch up on this," <laughs> given what I have to watch right now. But
2: yeah,
1: yeah. This week we we're into art, and, and they're they're not just they're not just like dribbling it out to us they are it's a fire hose man the the expanse came out early with two episodes you can currently tonight the third episode is broadcasting you can watch the you can watch four episodes online
0: online yep
1: um, so you have no excuse for not you know anytime you you have a computer or a a cell phone or a uh, you know, tablet no no you, you? I do
2: have an excuse and that is I'm busy but oh no, still, no I, yes. I'm not
1: talking about you you I mean people <laughs> who want to see it can see it uh even if you don't have even if you don't have basic cable you know you can you can see it um childhood's end this week now I'm predicting, I, haven't, I haven't gone out onto the internet web to see how people were responding to childhood's end childhood's end is a very old Arthur C. Clarke book and Arthur C. Clarke books are a little bit devoid of a lot of action and yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of personality. There's not a lot of um, danger in in personal interactions and stuff. You know, you have c- crazy computers, but you don't have a lot of.
2: They're really hard sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, he really is one of those writers that his concepts are. You know, this is scientifically plausible, yeah. if not yet possible, uh, and he's really thought out that. But I, I, I really like Charles end, though. Uh, as a novel, I've read it a few times and found it very depressing every time. Well, uh, don't, but, don't
1: don't don't say that because I mean, it's it's an interesting story. It's probably one of his no, most is, challenging yeah. sto- books uh, from the standpoint of this was entertainment. But they they made a two hundred page novel into a three-night miniseries of, of two-hour shows minus commercials. So I think it comes out to about an hour and ten minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So three hours for that. So they, they've they expanded quite a bit of it. They've kept the core core of it. The special effects are lovely. I, I don't have a problem with any of the casting. Um, this has been a tour de force for them. And my first tweet after this was, you know, does this mean you can take a third stab at Riverworld?
2: You know, this is where you always go wrong, Rick. Yeah. You always just go too far.
1: I go too far. <laughs> but the nice thing during these shows, during both The Expanse, which has done nothing but get better with each of the individual, exceptional, additional episodes that I get to watch, um, they've been pushing what's coming out in uh actually tonight actually and through the first part of 2016 because tonight we get the first episode of the magicians lev grossman's um trilogy about a about students of magic in a university where it's not quite harry potter so much as it's more like uh animal house um meets you know Yeah, dark and dark and uh, scary magic, but the the, I think their their uh, their phrase is "magic is a drug," um, and there's a lot of sexy action and uh, that's that's I've I've a lot of good friends who are very big fans of the series that were just totally blown away and excited by this. There is a show called Hunters coming out in April. Um, Hunters is uh, a band of anti-terrorist folk, but the terrorists they're fighting are not of this world. They're extraterrestrial. The promo that they're doing for this is really kind of interesting. There's an alien skull that if you have a 3D printer, you can download the file for this alien skull and print it yourself. And it looks... it's super cool. It's got multiple layers of, of surfaces in there and um, it looks like the Crystal Skull from Indiana Jones. You know what's
2: amazing to me is we talk about this promotion, and I'm thinking that is amazing. And in like three or four years, we're going to go. Wasn't that quaint?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> you know, it was cool three or four years ago. You know, and we'll say that in three or four years. But that, that's 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 great. Uh, I see you also got listed, which I knew was coming. Kind of a revamp of Van Helsing, but it's like the granddaughter. It's, it's of the, the character Hugh it's Jackman the played. Daughter
1: who's been brought forward in time. I think that's the way I, I read it. I was trying to I was trying to read between the lines what they're saying, and she has some powers over the vampires who have basically taken over the world in the meantime. So she's been brought forward to deal with them.
2: Okay, so we can pretend that movie didn't happen. Then. Yeah, I that's think, probably I, I the think, best way to. I think to seeing enjoy that. the
1: movie is not a pre, uh, not a prerequisite. No,
2: no, 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 no. Please don't do it. Please don't. It was horrible. And,
1: um, and then Winona Earp, which is based on the IDW comic, which is just a fantastic set of zombies and strangers. Yeah. Um, I, I I there's no production information on that that I've been able to run run to ground.
2: Um, no, I don't. I don't know much about that yet uh, either. But uh, I think Winona Earp was that not a Jimmy Palmiotti uh, creation? I
1: could be. I mean,
2: but regardless, yeah, there's it's another comic book based thing, yes. and you know, which has been an overall kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how many comic book stories, uh, comic book properties are being adapted and adapted so well.
0: Created uh, by Bo Smith. Bo Smith. Oh, Okay,
2: good. okay Bo Smith. But still, uh, you know, I, again, I'll focus on the comic book aspect and just but the larger story here and it's and it was worth devoting all our television focus was sci-fi is back um the promise of sci-fi way back when is really coming to fruition right now and I, I guess it's working very well for them i mean the more niche i think that viewership becomes the more they can afford to take this risk i've also you noted z nation yeah I was and gonna- i've heard some interesting things about that because that that's from asylum who does their mockbusters? Yeah. You know, their Saturday night movies. And apparently, like if you watch the first season, Z Nation sucks. But this season?
1: It's actually it's, really good. It's looked really good. And I've been meaning I what put me down is you know I mean, I'm a completist. I'm gonna want to go back and start with the sucky season, so I don't just start yeah. on the good stuff. And that's no, it's that's, gonna it's gonna totally me. but I mean that's that's almost that's I think it's about halfway through the second season right now. And mm-hmm. you know, as we said, twelve monkeys too you know, is coming back,
2: so. Yeah, so we shall see. What's and this has uh,
0: nothing to do with the Sci-Fi Channel, but let's not forget that Teachers premieres January 13th <laughs> on TV Land. All right. Let's and you can not, also watch the pilot for free on iTunes, Google Play, or on the TV Land website. Well, I want them
2: to get uh, a second season so you can go back and work as a uh, PA again. Oh, so, I agree. Yeah, so <laughs> let's see that go. All right. So, I, all right. Jobs are well, good. Yeah, they are. They are. So, uh, once again, uh, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, I just want to say good job, guys. That's nice. Give us one of these, as Roddy did used to say. Just write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. As I said uh, earlier, we will be podcasting on Wednesday, December 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Seven Stars Bar and Grill in San Jose. What? Come on by. Yes. Yeah, you know, we're going to be in that alcove again. We're not going to, you know, I, I think where we were uh, the time before was, uh, was a nice little out of the way. And then, you know, Paul feels a little easier coming by and, 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 and joining us, too, because yeah. I know that Paul Cunha, the owner of the bar, is going to be uh, just uh, vibrating uh, from excitement <laughs> after Star Wars <laughs> The Force Awakens. You know, so uh, very excited to have them there. So anyway, uh, hopefully we'll see some of you there. Uh, and I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com.
0: I'm and
1: I'm Rick Brett Snyder. Reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers
0: only for good. Remember, the force is with you always. always.
1: Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at
2: dot com
0: to say